0: in. the meantime, log on to our website, www.youthradio.org, to see what we've been up to. And once again, tune in Saturday, November 18th at 10 a.m.
1: Good afternoon.
0: This is KPFA in Berkeley. KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 o'clock, and up next is cover-to-cover open book.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to Open Book, a celebration of the written word and the arts here on Cover to Cover every Friday. I'm Amelia Gonzalez, and we're glad to be back. Today, we're going to talk about women and people of color in media. My guest is Kevin Robinson, who is the creator and producer of Medium Rare. Medium Rare is a TV and film interview and review program that showcases the work of people of color and women. Kevin Robinson was here earlier this week, where I asked him to describe the work of Medium Rare.
0: Well, Medium Rare started about uh, three years ago, March of 2003, and it came out of a, an idea of myself and my co-creator, Language Barrow. Out of a, a you, know, we, you know, we're not spring chickens, we're not over the hill yet. But it seems like the the quality of TV and film has gone down in the last, say, 20 or 30 years. Uh, not only that, but it seems like the the roles of women and people of color have diminished significantly. And so we said, hey, you know, there's got to be a way that we can talk about this. And then, you know, me having a background in uh, radio and television said, so, well, you know, there's, there's cable TV, there's public access. And I said, uh, we, we can put on a show, you know. So that's what we decided to do. And out of that came the idea of Medium Rare as being a half-hour uh, TV and film review show that focuses on writers, directors, producers and lead actors that are either women or people of color.
1: Now, we recently had the FCC hearings that were hosted by the NAACP in Oakland. I wanted to get your thoughts on why is media consolidation such a crucial issue for people of color and women?
0: Well, I think because they're going to be disenfranchised. I mean, you are going to have a, a select few owning the airwaves, and the airwaves are, belong to the people. And it used to be at one time, I think it was an FCC, it was a law that the FCC imposed that, for instance, cable operators, had to have certain channels set aside for public use. Since then, I think Michael Brown has, uh, and, and his cronies have kind of uh, uh, obliterated that law and made it so that Clear Channel and the other big uh, 800-pound gorillas on the street were able to consolidate you know, radio, TV, billboards, so that, that disenfranchises and cuts out the smaller independently owned operators.
1: So, you showcase the work of women and people of color, mm-hmm. and what is so different about folks telling their own stories?
0: for I mean, ever since you know the 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 first film that came out, I guess Birth of a Nation by D. W. Griffith, you know people of color have been demonized, and you know what you see hits you both um consciously and subconsciously. you know we're we're, we're visual animals. It's not until you get to know somebody that you hopefully your opinions of them might change. But as far as the the, the visual medium of TV and film, If people of color and women don't take control of their own images, one, either their images won't be shown, or two, their images will be displayed in such a way that's going to be most likely derogatory. So you have to take control of your own images. Especially now with the advent of, say, digital, you don't need a huge uh, studio and a big budget to make a film. You know, we can go to Best Buy or any local consumer outlet and buy a camera, you know, make a film, download it into your computer, edit it, Spit it back out, and you have a full-length feature film right there.
1: Well, let's talk about that, because a lot in the last decade has been made about the digital divide, which is actually very true and very real for mm-hmm. for some folks. But yet, the technology is actually more accessible, wouldn't you say?
0: Oh, no, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, I've seen, talk about budgets, I've seen crap for over $100 million, uh, and I've seen some excellent films Done on a shoestring budget, like ten thousand. There's a movie that uh, we uh, reviewed and actually interviewed the directors of. It's called uh, Cavite, by a couple of Filipino-American uh, directors, and they wrote it, produced it, and and starred in it. And they basically did what I said. They they went to the local uh, consumer electronics store, bought the equipment, shot the film, sold it back, and used that money to for distribution costs. And it's it's an excellent film for like I said, r- around ten thousand dollars.
1: My guest in the studio is Kevin Robinson. And we're talking about Medium Rare, where he is the creator and producer. And it is actually a TV show that showcases the work of women and people of color in the various areas of television and film production. I wanted to talk about the importance of having people behind the camera.
0: It's funny because... I don't know the numbers of of minorities in Hollywood like directors, producers, and writers. That's something we have to try to compile. But what I do know is that in the over 80-odd year history of the Academy Awards, only two women have been uh, nominated for Best Director. Does that mean there's only been two women directors in the history of film? No. That means their work hasn't been recognized. And that is important. So what we try to do, like we've interviewed people like... Uh, uh, Tim Robbins, uh, Derek Luke, uh, Forrest Whitaker, Joan Allen, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, Ang Lee, and and uh, Melvin and Mario Van Peebles. And it's funny because what I sometimes I do the interviews. I'm not always on camera. I'm the producer. I'm behind the scenes. But sometimes when they see me walk in the door, they do a double take. They have a, a it's, they have a, a pleasant surprised look on their face because they're used to seeing someone who doesn't look like me, you know. Uh, But when you see somebody like me doing this, go, hey, okay, you know, maybe things are starting to change a little bit. You know, this is the 21st century. It's a shame that we still have to say these things, but it is true. And, again, it is important to let young boys and and girls of color know that you can go to school and and become a screenwriter or become a, a film producer or a director. When I walk around town a lot of times when I see films being shot on location, I'm looking at the makeup of the crew. And most, more say 99.9 percent of the time, the crew is an all-white male crew. Now you, you don't even have to have a degree from a major university to pick up a sandbag or to hold a, a, a spotlight or a boom mic, but those are union jobs, and that's a lot of money, and they get grandfathered in. Now why can't you have say an Asian, Latino, African American, or female? You know, a crew member part of the production crew. I don't see that happening. And I think um, production crews should be incentivized uh, to do business in the Bay Area. So, like, if you do this, they will give you, you know, discounts on permits or, you know, we'll, we'll roll the red carpet for you. But until that changes, they're not going to, like, they're not going to open the doors to to minorities and, and women to, to come in and become part of the union for, for production crews.
1: Well, let's talk about that in the year of... Uh The new century where such things as affirmative action have such a stigma, and yet we see the need for it, especially behind the camera in the industry where it's very much an old boy network. Can you talk about mechanisms that we could guarantee that there is some diversity there? Do you see any steps moving in the right direction? What do you see?
0: Well, with our show, we don't try to get too political, but, you know, sometimes I can't help to get on my soapbox, and I actually uh, sent a letter to the San Francisco Film Commission about a year ago, because they talked about how they've lost uh, a couple billion dollars over the last couple of years because film crews weren't shooting in San Francisco, and said, I said maybe one way to incentivize them would be to hire local film crews made up of a portion of people of color, and that way... You know, if you want to come do business here, we'll give you like I said breaks on this, that, and the other, provided that you provide jobs for locally, locally based talented individuals of color. I think that's a good way to go about it. And also, when you when you when you go to see a film, demand that that the quality of film that, that the quality of film is, is is quality work, not just pay for some garbage. I mean, it's the old eighty twenty rule, and there's a lot of films out there that don't see the light of day, that don't get the recognition they deserve, or the people behind the films, because Hollywood, you know, just wants to make more money, you know, at the lowest common denominator. Let's skew our demographics to, you know, uh, adolescent boys. So you get a lot of films like, you know, Beer Fest and, you know, Borat, you know, those kind of films. But there are some great films like Shadow Boxer, uh, Babble, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, uh, half Nelson, they don't get the kind of publicity because there's not a media blitz, and that's saying, hey, go see these films. And these films are directed by, written by, or produced by, or lead acted by women and people of color.
1: Well, given that you're not a political show per se, how do you address those issues of the very narrow margin that people of color are allowed with the images, especially with mainstream films or, you know, big production films?
0: Well, we don't say you should go out and vote or you should do this or the other. But if the film kind of has like a a weird uh, slant, let's say, because, you know, my hosts kind of reflect our show. I have women and people of color, you know, who are our hosts. It's kind of like you know a, a, a point-counterpoint type of thing. So if they say in this film, why if this a Latino character, why is he in a gang or why is he you know the 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 gardener or the drug dealer? You know that's not cool. You know if he's black, you know why did he get ki- you know killed off in the first reel or you know he's the best buddy but he doesn't have a love interest or if he's Asian, well how come he's you know the 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 martial arts expert or the high tech guy? But again no no he's like he's very two-dimensional or asexual If it's a woman why is she depicted as like you know the the stay-at-home mom or she's the you know the hot chick or the prostitute you know so we we talk about those kind of things say who wrote this and invariably if you look at who wrote this that'll kind of give you an idea of you know the characters in the film so if you have a female writer you probably won't get these kind of You know, not to say it won't happen, but it won't happen as much. If you have a black writer or a Latino director or an Asian director, you're going to have a different um, skew on these films. You're going to give a different perspective. You go, huh, okay, I've seen this before, but there's a different take on it.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because you have someone like John Sayles. Yes. Who actually was not...
0: Yeah, who's one of the best directors today.
1: Right, who actually does breaks those stereotypes that are normally, again, on, on big feature mm-hmm. films, and yet isn't a, p- a person of color right. or a or, woman. Right. You do have room for that, right? Oh, yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, John Seals is a perfect example. Um, he, you know, you have to be objective. You have to take a step back and say, look, you know, you know is there something missing in this in this picture? And he's a perfect example. Obviously, he knows, I think he knows women pretty well and, and people of color. So he's able to, uh, you know, show their stories in a, in a positive and in a, an objective light. But again, his films aren't big Hollywood blockbusters, they're independent films. And they do well, and he has a strong following because he is a master at directing. He's got people like his style and like his storytelling. But he's not going to, you know, have break the box office and have, you know, one hundred and fifty million dollars, you know, uh, budget, and like, you know, the films aren't going to gross like, you know, half a billion dollars.
1: I wanted to talk about the uh, the myth of, you know, every so often we see the um, the African American overnight success or the Latin explosion, and what's problematic about that type of hype.
0: Well, I think that. Um I don't think it's the overnight success. Most times these people have worked for a while. You know, they just you know, somehow, by the arrangement of the stars, they they get a lucky break. But they don't just come out of nowhere, you know, whereas you see a lot of, um, you know, white directors and actors, they do come out of nowhere. You know, all of a sudden, who, who is this person? Where did they come from? And they can't act, or their directing is horrible, but you know it's an old boy network, nepotism. Hey, you know I came out of school. My I went to you know my college roommate was such and such. He was the son or the nephew of so and so at some studio, and bingo, they, they get a, a thirty million dollar budget, out the gate. But say someone like um, John Singleton had to mortgage his house to do Hustle and Flow. You know mm-hmm. how is that possible? Mm-hmm. You know that that's mind boggling.
1: After a success, yeah, uh, after, right. After having, after having
0: a, a couple successes, you right. know, Boys in the hood. Uh, and, you know, uh, higher learning. And then for Hustle and Flow, which is a great film, mm-hmm. he had to, like, mortgage his house for it. Well, we mm-hmm. don't want to buy it. We don't like this script. You know, it's not going to work. He had to put his own money into it and get a second mortgage in his house to get this this movie financed. And that's 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 ridiculous.
1: Well we were talking earlier about independent films and uh the I would say there is a little bit more popularity on supporting them you have festivals and and so forth do you see that having an impact
0: Well Amelia that's a very good question because I'm starting to wonder about festivals uh, myself um recently uh, one of the, the the actually the oldest festival in the western hemisphere um they're about to have their their 50th uh, I guess the, was that was at the Golden Anniversary
1: right. next mm-hmm.
0: year. And they had over 200 films in their festival at the 49th annual, 90 of which were full-length feature narratives. And again, we focus on full-length. Which length, festival is this? Uh, it was the San Francisco International Film mm-hmm. Festival, uh, since you asked. <laughs> um, and they, oh, they had over 90 full-length feature narrative films, you know, f- movies, the kind of movies mm-hmm. we focus on. Not one of those films was from a director from the African diaspora, you know, the whole world. And not one film from an Indian director from Southeast Asia, from South Asia, rather. India is the biggest film industry on the planet. And I raised that question at the press conference. Now, again, there's about 150 people at the press conference. I was the only African-American male at the press conference. And their, their response to my question was, well, we're not trying to fulfill any type of quota or fill any type of agenda. We base our selections on quality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I left it, I didn't say anything. I just like looked around and people looked back at me with like blank stares. And, you know, w- what are you saying? Does that mean there there are no quality films by black directors or Indian directors in the whole world? Come on. You had four films from like, Mongolia and Bhutan. You can find a film from a director from Berkeley. So my question was, how hard did you look? Right. Now I have to admit, the the uh, the new director of the film festival. He was he, the program was already in place by the time he came on board. But he was gracious enough to come on our show. We have that show actually taped. We had a a roundtable discussion talking about the roles of film festivals. I mean, you work I don't know how many years to get a film made, finance all that. It's finally done you enter it in film festivals, and it doesn't get selected. Well, why not? And my question was, well, who makes up the selection committee? If you have a homogenous selection committee, and I said it just like this, was myself, um, Graham Leggett, who's the uh, executive director of the San Francisco International Film Festival, um, Mateen Komet, who's a, a African-American director, and Ivan uh, Jagadar, who's the artistic director of Third Eye, which is the South Asian Film Festival, we had a roundtable discussion. And I said, well, if you have a homogenous selection committee, and they kind of looked at me like, what are you trying to say here, man? And I said, you know, and they said, is he going to say it? I said, yeah, okay, look, if you have an all-white selection committee, and you do, just by nature, you're not going to have a, a, a select, you know, a, a various um, selection of films. That's not going to happen, you know? So I think you need to look at who's making the selections of, in, in these film festivals. If you have a diverse selection committee, it's part and parcel you can have a, a diverse selection of films.
1: How do you see the best way of impacting that? I mean, because there is that general myth, you know, somehow that quality and diversity are mutually exclusive.
0: You know, that's – quality is quality. I mean, you can look at a film from a technical standpoint. If this was to be taking place, you know, in ancient Rome and you see a car in the distance, that's just – that's continuity. Someone's got to take a look at that. Or if you see Powder Burns after somebody gets shot, there's Powder Burns on their jacket. Or you see the boom mic in there, okay. But as far as quality, as far as, like, the directing and the acting and the story – and, again, as far as the, the look, I mean, so it's not top-notch as far as cine- cinematography. But so if the story is there and the acting is there, then why not have – I've seen some films and film festivals that go, how would this make it? This is this is crap, you know? But I've seen other films that did not make film festivals or, like, only one or two. And then even then they didn't get dis- distributed. They didn't get picked up. I go, well, how can this be? Mm-hmm. You have a name actor in this film. It's an excellent film, but it goes straight to DVD. I, that's, that's that's mind-boggling.
1: We haven't touched television, and I wondered what your role is or how you see medium-rare playing a role in critiquing the images of people of color and women in television.
0: Well, it's funny because um, I think last year at the, the Asian, the International Asian um, uh, Film Festival, uh, it was right before the Oscars came up, and I had mentioned that Ang Lee was up for Best Director. I said, if he wins... He'll be the first Asian director to win a Best Director uh, award. But not only that, we talked about the fact that there are no Asian lead actors in TV. And why is that? They're, They're like non-existent. You know, are there any Asian directors in TV? That, I don't know. For some reason, it's been harder for us to to get leads on the TV shows, like getting pilots. Because with, with film, we get screener tapes, we get invited to different films and festivals and, what, and and what have you. But with TV, it's been a lot, a little bit harder to penetrate. But I know, for instance, Salma Hayek just did a remake of uh, La Fea Mabea, Ma which is Ug- Ugly Betty right, now, right, 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 with America Ferrera. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, actually, America Ferrera was on our show. And you have um, Sandra Bullock, who uh, executive producer of the George Lopez show. You have Kelsey Grammer, who's the executive producer of *Girlfriends*, kind of like you know the all-black female cast. Right. Um, so they're they're doing some good stuff. I don't know who else is out there. I don't know who else is behind the scenes doing things. But I mean, you look at the images. For instance, Taye Diggs was in a, a, a show called *Kevin Hill*, which I I heard was quickly acclaimed. We didn't review it, but it only lasted for maybe two months, and it got it right got,
1: it not got the can. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Now, he's back on ABC, I think it premieres sometime this week, a show called Daybreak. He's like an action hero. It's kind of like a, a Groundhog Day. He has to relive, relive the same day over and over again. He's got a love interest. I think she's uh, she's Asian or Hawaiian or something like that. How often do you see that? You don't see that, you know, like I said again, you know, this is 2006. You didn't see this kind of stuff until maybe 30 years ago. In the 70s, you know, we saw some groundbreaking um, thinking outside of box roles by women and people of color, I think now it's because people are afraid to take risks. They're, you're used to the sequel or the sitcom, you know, the, the overweight husband and, and the, and the hot wife and a couple kids and the little dog and the laugh track. You see it over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. or you, or you see reality shows, reality mm-hmm. shows are cheap to make. And I guess people love them, but a lot of us like garbage. I don't care about someone at their doing stuff at their house. You know, I, I have other things to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess a lot of people want to live vicariously, or they don't want to really take the time out to think and analyze about what's being projected to them. And you have to because a lot of stuff is is, is nonsense.
1: Right. Well, uh, there are two things that come to mind as I I listen to you, and one is the numbers of. People of color in television have actually decreased in the last 10 years, and that I wondered what your thoughts were about that.
0: Are you surprised?
1: <laughs> well, I'm not. but
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I mean, again, because people don't they get distracted. You don't keep their their eye on on the ball here, and so you know the the right hand's doing one thing, left hand's doing something else. So they have decreased. You talk about oh, we're You know, we've made gains in equality and we're all the same, but yet, like you said, Mm -hmm. the numbers have decreased. I have yet to see a show with uh, an Asian lead actor. Have you? I think Margaret Cho was the last one. Well, I think,
1: one. right. I think there might be Grey's Anatomy to have Sandra O oh now, but. That's it's, true. Yeah. And that's she did very win. Very recent. Yeah. She did
0: win a Golden Globe, but is, is the show about her? It's more like an ensemble no, it's, not. Right. it's not about, about right. her. Right, exactly. You know, it's all, you know, when the end of the day, it's going to be about Patrick Dempsey. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the is going to be about, you know, whoever's in Law and Order, you know, Sam Waterston, whoever that guy is. It's not going to be about, you know, the the other guys. You're not going to see a show. I mean, you got Prison Break. How many, how many brothers are in prison? A lot. <laughs> but this shows like two white dudes who broke out of prison.
1: Like, Come on, man. See? Well, let's talk about that because you do have something like that, and if they had had to. Black guys, and maybe that's more realistic. But then there would be the image issue, right, which right. again, that's the the second question: is just having people of color isn't the solution? Mm. It's not right? good
0: enough. You're right. You're right. They have to be in non-stereotypical roles, and that's that's kind of a pl- that's where our name Medium Rare comes from, um, because rarely in the medium of TV or film do you find anything that's well done, and rarely do you have women and people of color in non-stereotypical roles. I think in in an issue of prison break, I think he was, like, falsely accused. So if you have that on there and you have, you know, a couple of brothers breaking out of prison, then you say, okay, he's falsely accused. (laughs) He was set up by the man, you know, like I said, back in the 70s, same
1: thing. place it in Illinois and it could be a reality (laughs) show. (laughs)
0: Exactly. exactly, Yeah, make a reality show. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But, again, you know, like – we interviewed Mario Van Peebles and Melvin Van Peebles, and Melvin did a Sweet, Sweet Back's badass Song. And that was kind of like the, the the, groundbreaking independent film. Uh, they want to see black exploitation, but out of that film came Superfly and, and The Mac and Shaft and all that. It was like, you know, the black man being the hero, you know, getting the girl, sticking it to the man, all that stuff. And now, you know, you have guys, you know, you see... And again, just because you said it's it's a, a black director or, or Asian or Latino doesn't mean it's gonna be good. And we talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Had a mu- movie recently where uh this one up and coming actor, Anthony Mackey, he was in um he's in Half Nelson, he was in She Hate Me by Spike Lee, he was in a Manchurian candidate, he's been in some quality films, he was in Brother to Brother. Now he's in this film about guess what, midnight basketball. That's mm-hmm. all we need, another basketball film mm-hmm. with black dudes mm-hmm. and like, you know, some kind of platinum you know, bling-bling jewelry on and some silk, you know, uniform, slam dunking, 360, halftime, booty-shaking contest. We don't need those kind of images, you know, because, again, when you're walking down the street, people are going to, th- first thing you think about, oh, he probably plays basketball, he's probably got a grill, and all this kind of nonsense. Let's see some films, you know, where, uh, you know, there's a, a, an Asian head of, you know, a, a chief of police, and he's got a home life, or maybe he's got he's going through a divorce, but he's got a girlfriend or something like that. Some complexity, some multi dimensions to these guys. Or like I said, like a, a female director, you know, you know, or, or a Latino producer. They're not, hopefully, they're not going to sell out because those kind of things, like the basketball movie, those get green lit easy because you're pandering to right. these exactly. images. Mm-hmm. But we try to break the mold. For instance, one of the best films I saw this year was Shadowboxers, starring Cuba Gooding Jr. and Helen Mirren. They play Hit men. Okay, they're also, she also is his stepmother. Not only that, they're also lovers. That's interesting stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably Cooper Gooding Jr.'s best role. But guess what? It's only in the theaters for like a week. Uh-huh. A lot of yeah. the critics hated it. That's another thing. Most of the critics, mm. guess what, aren't women or, or people of color. So you're going to get a skewed view of a lot of these films. Oh, we didn't like it. Well, maybe doesn't. you can't identify with it. Let's mm-hmm. get someone else's point of view. So on our site, I have people who write reviews. We have on-air reviews and also written reviews on our website.
1: Finally, I did want you to focus in on the work that you do in terms of promoting, in terms of reviewing. I noticed on your website that you had... Uh, you had links to the South Asian Film Festival mm-hmm. as well as the Latino Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that?
0: Well, those just wrapped up. I've worked with them uh, for a couple of years now. Uh, Silva Perel is the executive director and the creator of the, the, it's the 10th annual uh, International Latino Film Festival. And, again, she had the same mindset, I guess, like 10 years ago. Let's promote films by and about Latinos because they're not getting the respect or not getting the right um, imagery out there on Latino people. So I've worked with her about three or four years now. And they, that just, I think it's happening right now. It's on for like two weeks and they have a, a wonderful uh, program in place. Uh, films from uh, Cuba, uh, Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, Peru, Spain. Um, and then with the, uh, the the third annual, what they call the Third Eye, which is South Asian Film Festival, Ivan Jagadar is the artistic director. And again, There are 150, I go, Yvonne, how many? And he goes, 150,000. I go, you know, let me me finish the question. There are over 150,000 people uh, of Indian, South Asian descent in the Bay Area. That's a huge economic force. You know, if people were smart, they would tap into that. And that's something you have to do. You can't wait for the masses, you know, the, the general audience to support your film. You have to go in and support your films first and foremost. And that's economic power. Instead of going and seeing something else that could be, I wouldn't say stupid, but doesn't really reflect what you're about, support your own films first, you know, and get them made. You know, you can't go to Oprah and Bill Cosby all the time and say, help me out. You know, from from a Mm -hmm. grassroots standpoint, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of actors, a lot of athletes, a lot of entertainers who are making, you know, multimillion dollar contracts. It doesn't cost a whole lot to make a good film. You know, if you can pony up 100 grand, put your name on a film, make sure it gets di- distributed, make sure that the, the community sees it and, and advertise it in the community, you know, that, that bodes well. You know, and of course, bottom line, if you make a film for $100,000, let's say, and it makes a million, you made ten times your money, that's pretty good.
1: You've been listening to Kevin Robinson, who is the creator and producer of Medium Rare, which is a show that showcases the work of people of color and women in film and television. If you would like more information about Medium Rare, you can visit their website at word.org. This has been Cover to Cover Open Book, coming to you every Friday at 3 p.m. Tune in next week when Nina Serrano will be talking with immigrant rights activist, musician, and poet, Arnoldo Garcia. With Erica Bridgman at the controls, I'm Amelie Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon. Welcome to Open KPFA celebrates our 36th annual Crafts and Music Fair on December 9th and 10th. The fair is a wonderland for holiday gift buying. Come see handmade and eco-friendly toys, musical instruments, food and body products, clothing, jewelry, glassware, ceramics, and textile art, as well as crafts from sustainable third-world artist collectives. Hear non-stop live performances by some great